Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me today is Dusty Hell. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, it's great having you as well. Dusty is a queer Latin tabletop RPG producer, performer, and designer striving to tell stories that uplift BIPOC and queer voices. Dusty is co-producer and player in Goblets and Games, Gaze, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Dusty is also showrunner and co-producer for An Unwavering Force, a Star Wars podcast using Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And Dusty is also player in Bring Your Own Mech, a Lancer actual play podcast. Dusty is also working on a game inspired by John Wick and Assassins in General, which I hope you talk a little little bit more about because I'm really interested in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can find Dusty at Dust E. Hill on Twitter. So, uh, Dusty, can you talk some about how you got started playing tabletop RPGs and in particular got into podcasting because that's not something everybody makes that jump into. Yeah, yeah. So I actually didn't get into tabletop games. Um, well, tabletop RPGs until I was about 20 uh, when a friend of mine invited me to a separate friend's um, uh, table because they are going to start a new campaign and actually Pathfinder, uh, first edition for Rise of the Rune Lords. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've always been into like board games and trading card games and video games. And so like tabletop games is one thing I just didn't get into um, just cause I didn't have anyone to play with. And so never thought about it. Um, so we started with that. Um, it took a bit. Paizo one E um, Paizo Pathfinder one E specifically little crunchy, um, even like to this day for me. Um, I love second edition with my whole heart. Uh, cause I think it's like the design is so much more simplified and straightforward for how my brain interprets it. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, so it started with that and my first podcast, um, wasn't specifically a tabletop podcast. It was just, um, uh, along with all my other things, I'm super into Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And so it was a solo Pokemon podcast because my friend, um, who also invited me to the table, started their own podcast and told me about Anchor. And for me, I was like, oh, I could just upload this to like the website or my phone and do it myself. And so I did that for a while. And then come um, the pandemic, uh, where everyone was playing games online, uh, I started listening to um actually goblets and gaze because i started goblets and gaze as a fan because my friend was in it mm-hmm. um and i already like love playing these games like we've uh pre-pandemic we played in your campaign of reign of winter three years through and did um such a killer campaign and i was super into it and it's like well i mean if you wanted to guess or anytime and so i guessed it on there once and then i started in other productions on my own. And now I'm here with too many projects. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I hear you. I hear you on that. So uh, speaking of which now you're co-producing two and playing in three podcasts. Now, can you talk about each of them and what they're about and kind of the distinctions between them? Yeah. So the one I've been doing the longest is, um, well, I guess Cobbits and Gaze because I was I started again as a fan and a player, a guest and a player. Um, Cobbits and Gaze is a Pathfinder 2E. It's a homebrew setting made by 
our GM, uh, Aubrey, as well as some of the original players like um, Aquino and uh, Sparlock and Ferris, who are in there. Um, and we're in our fourth season, and it's a totally like homebrew campaign where we're taking stuff here and there. And it's about, um, it's called Blood of Kings, specifically this campaign. And it's dealing with people in this world um, first having to go to adventure to find a missing prince and then everything kind of spiraling from there as they uncover more and more of something happening on the back end of this world. Um, and now we're in the fourth season, um, fourth and final season as we, uh, I really can't say much about season four because yes. anything no spoilers, said would yeah. be an incredible spoiler. Yeah. Uh, but it's super fun. We are getting like into the very like nitty gritty of s- stuff. We did the archetype rules, um, mm-hmm. and come season four, we are doing dual classing, which is just so fun. Um, yeah, so yeah. unbelievably fun. I-, I have a question for you with goblets and gays. Yeah, what makes a gay? podcast or pathfinder game any different from any others because everything you just said just sounds like any other actual play so there's got to be something a little different is it just the players or is it kind of how the setting is set up or is it just it's more welcoming i'm just you know kind of how's that fit yeah so i mean the whole table is all uh queer players we're all like right. different um gender identities sexual identities all that stuff um and the stuff that i didn't really mention is that there is just so much um interpersonal drama as well as like romance plots going on and okay like other stuff um it really i think goblins and gays really encapsulates the difference between playing at um a non-queer uh, RPG table and a completely mm-hmm. queer RPG table because mm-hmm. uh, in experience with both, it's a uh, very different games under the same, under the same house. Okay, cool. No, great. Great. Um, and what about an unwavering force, which I, I interviewed Navarre a couple of weeks ago about, mm-hmm. and it sounds really cool uh, from, from the description of it. Um, Unwavering Force is uh, my current passion project and something I'm super proud of just with everything that's gone into it with the group and everything. Um, I'm sure Navar spoke about um, his character, who I adore. Um, it it started mainly as, uh, I think Navar probably mentioned it, a while ago he tweeted, hey, I want to play a game as Padawans running from Order 66. Um, and I was recently on i was doing a clone wars watch uh, for the first time because i never seen the show um and just really getting into star wars truly for the first mm-hmm, time because mm-hmm. i grew up in like you know episode one came out when i was a kid like the prequels and so i grew yeah. up with star wars but i wasn't into star wars um until recently and that's due to a podcast called the more civilized age with austin walker and some other group from people of waypoint who um it was a gaming podcast from vice until recently that's a whole other thing not going to get into uh it really showed me that the star wars itself could be way more than just the epic space opera fantasy which there's nothing wrong with we all love Mm -hmm. like high epic and stuff but really the political story going on and the stories of people just fighting against an overwhelming force and not giving up 
like you know the whole concept of hope but going like deeper into that and so that's where the idea for the podcast started um and we went back and forth on what system to use because of course there's a star wars system but i I, I, personally i and a couple of us in the group uh because a couple of us uh are from goblets and gays as well uh we all love pathfinder 2e and so we kind of had a chat about it and it's like well if you're going to be force users in this because that's the biggest thing everyone is a force user of a different kind we want a system that makes you uh feel powerful and pathfinder 2e is excellent at doing that so we went with that and it's been just a joy to play a joy to build characters um and a joy to just like tell this story about how different people who interact with this one unifying thing the force throughout the whole galaxy all having to fight something that is trying to squash it out um it's it's a very fun story um we recorded an episode this week um that's not gonna be out for a couple months but it was my favorite session to date which previously the previous session was my favorite session to date so it just keeps getting better i'm so excited for people to hear it very cool very cool with um everybody being force users and using second edition rules Mm -hmm. what what class or archetype or what how do you fit that in what can you explain that a little bit yeah so uh it the idea for that actually came from dark archives and the psychic because the psychic stuff a lot of it really screams like jedi specifically jedi Mm -hmm. and so um, we have two players playing like the uh, regular Jedi. And so they have, uh, they're doing dual classing because again, I want them to feel powerful. And so one is a ranger psychic. The other is a cleric psychic. Um, and we're basically using like the push and pull and all the mini blade actions you could do with like telekinesis and all that. And the psychic rules um, as the force stuff. Um, and then one of our players, they are playing uh, basically a night sister, a Dathomirian witch, which is a person that uses the force in a completely different way than anyone else. Um, and I believe they are doing a Magus wizard, um, hmm. which hmm. unbelievably powerful. Oh, yeah. 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 So she would like to spell strike and all that. And yeah. um, because a lot of the... Uh, night sister and the way that they interact with the forest and that is kind of like these rituals and spells it like it works out for both the wizard like getting into the mindset of that and the magus for um being as deadly because they're also like basically a a bodyguard i'd say with air quotes but really like a bounty hunter for the rich and powerful um Mm -hmm. at least that's how they start the series uh you'll find out more if you just listen to episode one honestly (laughs) And then we have someone that is uh, Chiss, who are uh, uh, alien species that like live on the outer edge of like the galaxy as well. And they interact with the forest by just using it like as intuition, like a lot of like almost like divination stuff. Mm-hmm. And so their mm-hmm. whole thing, they are an uh, oracle, um, oracle rogue, I believe. Uh, and they use like a lot of, um, again, like divination, looking into like, quote unquote, the future or all that stuff. And then our last player is a trash man. Um, 
and that's not derogatory they are literally playing a trash man in star wars and there theirs is a little different because they kind of wanted to play like an average person but there's mm-hmm. still like mm-hmm. something there and so they're actually just the most straightforward they are a summoner um fighter yeah summoner fighter with the gunslinger archetype and so they have like all that they have like a pet dog that's like interacting with like all that force magic in their own way so Mm -hmm. it it Mm -hmm. really like some of it was obvious some of it we had to like kind of go into the classes and see how the mechanics work and the flavor works um until we came up with these i think truly classes that really worked no, that, that sounds awesome. It sounds like it was a lot of legwork even before you started recording just to figure out how the, how the system would work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, did you start at first level then, or did you start at higher level? We started at third level yeah. for these players, okay. um, which being a dual class, you're already unbelievably strong as is. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really like how I wanted them to feel, at least in the beginning of this series. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. And then finally, Bring Your Own Mech. Yeah. Uh, Bring Your Own Mech is a Lancer podcast. Uh, uh, our GM is Reed. We are uh, currently on like a hiatus just due to health issues, um, but we're into our second season. We have other stuff coming down the pipeline of like um, different like mini stories we're playing, but it's a story heavily inspired by the stuff like Cowboy Bebop. Um mm-hmm where we're playing uh, mercs who use uh, mechanized chassis are mechs. So like Lancer is like a mecha RPG. Um, And that one is real fun because we get to play people. um, You may see a theme here who are kind of down on their luck and are just constantly trying to survive in the world. That's trying to squash them for any other reason. For Lancer, it's corporations, it's all that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a show that I'm, uh, as, even as a player, I'm super proud of. Our uh, editor um, and producer, Amelia, does all the music for the show. And wow. there's like custom music uh, made by her all throughout. And I just listen to that stuff just on the daily because it's like really good tracks. Um, and so much work though. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Like I've seen their like a uh, Reaper like screenshot and they have like yeah. 13 tracks open. And I'm like, whew, that's a lot even for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I use 10, 10 tracks on mine. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of, of Reaper, um, now I know what, uh, what, uh, DAW you use for editing. Um, can we talk a little bit about um, your production process. So I, you know, I, I produce several podcasts myself, recording, and I do video and and and, and whatnot. So I'm always curious to hear what other folks do. Uh, kind of the equipment you use, the software, the timing for scheduling, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the biggest thing, um, the one that I do the most in depth editing is going to be an Unwavering Force. Because uh, that's the one that I mainly show run. Um, I do some editing stuff for Goblin's Gaze um, for like special episodes, but it's mainly like Aubrey's thing. Uh, as far as what we do, we use a combination of Zoom um, and Zencaster, actually. Uh, oh, cool. Zoom, I use Zoom so we could do both. We could see each other. I think that's better for like role playing 
uh, personally, just like so we could see visual cues from each other and play off of that. And also, um, I share like music art tracks during the episode because um, I have a thing where I have um, I reach out to people on my own and have them record snippets of stuff for NPCs and other stuff in the world. Mm, mm-hmm. And so Zoom is the easiest way for me to insert that without having to like, hey, everyone on the count of three, you're going to hit this and play it at the same time. Right, right. Uh, you can just share it to everyone. Exactly. Uh, yeah, got it. And we use Zencaster for audio because uh, Navar is the audiophile of our group. And he believes Zencaster has the best uh, audio fidelity, which um, I believe it does. Uh, and it gets everything super clean. Um, I just, I liked having the both. I, Goblets and Gaze, we use Craig and Giark, which I'm. Have you had Craig fail on you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's why we use uh, Giark, which yeah. Giark is like another uh, plugin, I think made by the same person that is the backup for it. Oh, I, I didn't realize that. So you can use Craig and GRC at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And record through Discord. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we do for that, just because wow. that's the easiest for um, that group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's actually, GRC is pretty reliable. Craig isn't, not at all, whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Zencaster, I've, I've recorded over 320 episodes with Zencaster. Mm-hmm. And I've only... I had a problem with one guy's audio because he didn't have very good internet connection. Mm-hmm. So he would drop off. And so we had to basically, he, he comes to my house to record. <laughs> he uses my internet on my laptop and plays his character. That's how we finally worked that out. But then I, for Zencaster, I've had a couple of times where it'll, like when I'm recording video, it'll swap over to OBS, the OBS camera. <laughs> and so I'll really? lose video. Huh. Yeah, I don't know why it does that. And I I fooled with some settings, hasn't done it since. But otherwise, Zencaster has been pretty bulletproof. I liked it during the pandemic where you mm-hmm. got it all free, though. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, now I'm paying for it uh, because I got hooked after two years of pandemic. Yeah. So. I uh, Early pandemic, one of my early projects um, was called Shouting in Place, where it was like an interview podcast yeah. where I'll do one on one and Zencaster was a lifesaver because I want mm-hmm. I was specifically reached out to people who like didn't really like do a lot of podcast stuff. And for right. that the easiest settings like, hey, we're just gonna click this link. I'll do everything on my end. You don't have to worry about downloading right. or anything or any of that stuff. Right. Which is great. Um but like really there's like if you're recording with people online, there's no hundred percent foolproof way, I feel you just gotta find what works with your group. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so Reaper you use for editing? So for editing, we do um, actually a two process. So Navar actually goes in and does the initial cleaning of like cutting out the silences, the extra us, the ahs. Oh, too much work. <laughs> and like just cleaning up background audio, yeah, um, yeah, which is a lot of work, which is why they do that part. And then I take it in and I add because we have music. I do sound effects. I add in all this other stuff. Oh, wow. I record yeah. extra bits sometimes. Um, honestly, and this is going to like get me in trouble. A lot of people, I still use Audacity. Uh, no, a lot of people use Audacity. It, I think it, it works good. It, it works. Honestly, I've been so used to it. Right. I, it's hard for me to switch over because I know Reaper apparently has like better like um features for it and like cleaner setup, but I've been using Audacity. 
And I understand that sometimes editing and having to have two separate Audacity windows open is not exactly the most proficient way to do it, but it's how I've been able to do it. And that's like, I Audacity has like modulation you could do. I could edit in, I could put the sound in, crossfade the clips. Um, like well, you can do all that in Reaper, by the way. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just like once you get all the tools down, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when I when I had made to make the decision to do podcasting editing, I I looked. Everybody was using Audacity, and I thought, okay, well, what else can I use? And there's this Reaper thing, which was like this semi-pro next step up. And I mm. said, I'm just going to bite the bullet and learn Reaper. And it took a while. Initially, it was just very basic stuff. Now I learn how to use all the plugins and things, so it's it's easier. And I could go through and clean out all the all the dead spots and uh, all the ums and uhs. And I did that manually for a while. Mm-hmm. You can do it automatically. I just don't trust it. So I just look if there's big big silences, I edit them out. But if it's just you know a couple a couple of ticks, I don't worry about it because it just sounds very natural then. Yeah, you know. yeah. I, I think so. the the vibe we're going for with Unwavering Force is actual play meets audio drama. Oh um, yeah, so yeah. I'm, so it's a little bit more performy than yeah, yeah, yeah. And for um, actually the, all that stuff, Navarre uses Descript, which is a right. program that you right. have to pay for. It does the transcript, uh, yes. but also like you, he finds all the us and goes through that. I have Descript and I'm paying for it for another pro- I'm actually transcribing on my interviews for something else. Mm-hmm. And I see it does that. It'll remove all those from the transcript. I guess it'll do it from the audio. I just I, I you know, it's just a new tool and I say, oh, yeah. I'm afraid to yeah. I'm afraid to mess with it yet. Um so I see the Samsung mic you have here now. Mm-hmm. What other what gear do all your players have? Or is it they pick their own or do you it it's it's kind of like all over. So we pick we everyone has like their own setup. Um uh, my partner actually is part of the show. They actually have that set up right behind me. Uh, they oh, have, I see that with the ring, the ring camera. And yeah, the there. ring camera, um, which I think is a razor. I think they use um, yeah. a Wave Three uh, yep. auto mic, yeah, which is nice also one. a very good mic. Um, yeah. I use a Samsung Q Two U, uh, which is a USB one, but has like really clean fidelity. Um, yeah. It's also like very inexpensive. I think it's like seventy dollars. Uh, oh man, I found one with a boom arm for one of my uh, uh, folks I I do inter- do uh, a show with uh-huh. twenty bucks twenty wow. bucks on Facebook Marketplace. I said so. I keep anytime I see a deal like that, I just buy it because it's like oh, it's such a crazy good deal. Yeah, because I've tried a lot of mics. This is a an MV7. It's uh, my backup because I'm at my weekend place. Mm-hmm. I actually got a SM7B really cheap during the pandemic and I just love that now it's my main mic but the the Samsung I, I gave that to Jason Keeley I do recording with I gave it to him and it just sounds so good it's hard to make it sound bad yeah no it's it's incredibly clean I had very little fuss with it um yeah. previous like the early parts of the Wavering Forest and like other shows I was using an Elgato Wave 3 as well um mm-hmm. which that one it's really good it has some hiccups sometimes um, just like in the interface, like I've like, I've had to like mid recording stop and then use my backup backup, which is a Yeti, which I had for like mm. the early years and the Yeti. Yeah. 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 
I, I learned my lesson. It's good if you have a soundproof studio. Um, right. And like for beginners, of course, it's good. Like if you just want to record something, but like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's, it was. But for how much you pay for that. Yeah. I mean, it's actually twice as much as the Samsung. It, yeah, it, it, it yeah. truly was. Yeah. I got it on sale and it was still more yeah. expensive than this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, it's kind of like across the board. I believe um, one of our players, Lonzo, also has like an Elgato mic. Um, Navar also uses the Samsung. They're the one that turned me on to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aquino, uh, they have. Um, I'm unsure. It's I think it's like a like a low. I say low, not like in the like the meaning way, but like a road mic. It's like one of the oh, cheaper right. ones. Right, um, right, right. And um, Theta, who's one of the other players, they're. I think they just use like headphone mics because what they have um mm-hmm. and that's because like they're a student they're doing all this they've actually asked recently had to like step away from the show uh right. just like school stuff and like you know of course it's more important than doing a star wars show with your friends but yeah yeah navart mentioned um about getting uh new mics for for players and stuff and i my actual play we actually started in person recorded a bunch so i have a lot of mics that are all xlr mics that plug into a mm. a, a mixing board and that we would use, but now that we're all remote, basically I buy people nice gaming headsets and that's what they use. Yeah. It, it, it works. You know, good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need. It just needs to work. Yeah. How often do you guys record? You mentioned you have uh, some stuff in the bank, mm-hmm. right? For uh, um, un- unwavering force. So what's your kind of scheduling for that? Uh, we usually do bi-weekly um, Thursday nights. Yeah uh for us and that that's very flexible simply because when we started this knowing the amount of work that we were putting into this i wanted as much buffer as possible right so i think currently we're like five episodes ahead in recording and we also release bi-weekly yeah so having all that saved and sometimes we cut up recordings in two so it's even more episodes yeah. Uh, but yeah, and we just like we have a Google like calendar invite that I send out, yeah. and just like we have a a work server that we have a mm-hmm. scheduling tab and all that stuff in there. Yeah. Well, that sounds more official than we 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 have biweekly, but everybody knows when it is. We actually we thought initially we would record three episodes a night, but we can't. We record two episodes, but we very intentionally make them two, so we have a start, a finish, mm-hmm. take a break, start, and a finish. And for our actual play, so we posted episode 112 last week, and I have 20 more episodes all banked. We've actually finished doing the thing, but I have 10 more months of episodes banked, and then we got to figure out how to do something else. (laughs) So when I'm editing, because I don't edit until right before I post, I'm like, this is almost a year ago. I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. But it's kind of fun then reliving, you know, oh, yeah, this is neat. And everything. Yeah, we uh, we actually started doing that with Goblets and Gays. Because um, Aubrey, pre- uh, all of like season three and prior to that, um, we we were like the long format podcasting. So right. we had like three hour episodes, two hour episodes, big fights for like four plus hours. Wow. Um, yeah. That's a long, that's it's, a long episode. And it's also like a long edit for Aubrey. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when season four started, we like came up with this. And I just, I really enjoy the format. Um, 
so we yeah we cut it in two we had two episodes banked each night um and like for unwavering force i just tried to keep it like very like a quick um not a quick but like a compact session i right. usually keep it at max like two and a half hours mm-hmm. um just because mm-hmm. uh i feel personally i'm very good at setting pacing and setting stuff um i do so many cliffhangers um and also just like yes. so much like cutting in between players and groups like if a group is split i love cutting just at a very dramatic moment because then mm-hmm. it keeps the tension going even with the other group and the players are just sitting there like all right you had something wild happen now you have time to process that let's go to someone else <laughs> very good all right so uh shifting gears a little mm-hmm. bit so you know, many of the large uh, tabletop RPG companies have been working on diversifying both their offerings, so kind of what they have in their writing and their style and stuff, and their staffs. Um, how do you view their progress so far and uh, maybe progress in the community overall in kind of accepting or demanding those sorts of changes? Um, it's... It's kind of like all over the place. Like some, honestly, I think Paizo uh, is doing just fantastic, incredible work. Um, I'm biased, both like I love the system, but also like I have friends that are doing work for Paizo as well. Um, like starting the union for the, the workers and then also just everything kind of like impossible lands. Um the book of the dead i adore because i just see so many just like uh southern america mexican influences throughout all that and that's just it makes my like my heart happy and just my brain go wow with all the stuff i could do uh and it you just all like the actual diversity in both the writers and the content there coming from paizo products i feel has been excellent great I can't say that across the board um, enthusiastically. There's definitely been steps, um, like especially with uh, you know five E and everything that's happened in the past year. There's there's steps towards it, but that like that takes time to actually see and actually tell that the work is done or is being done actively. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as like having a push for it i definitely agree with that like there should be a push for it because all these like tabletop projects coming out and all these shows with the popularity of doing online recording and shows and all that you would have to make an active effort to not have a diverse cast just naturally um in my opinion and so that's like seeing all that i want to push for because that's why I am so admin about uh, raising like uh, BIPOC and queer voices because there wasn't a lot of that when I joined the space. Um, I have this whole long over thing that my friends have dubbed the Dustyverse because ever since I started playing Pathfinder 1E like through um, the original Rise of the Rune Lords and Reign of Winter and stuff like that, I've been inserting a family of Mexican characters um, throughout mm-hmm. all these different games and all these different stories and all these different systems, they're all like interconnected because I just I'm making this family as prevalent as possible in my own stories. And there's it's now coming more and more to see that, and I love it. I just think that we just can't be complacent with it. Um, yeah, I I could go on for a long time about this, but it's coming in. 
there's progress. Um, I just wish there was more. What about acceptance by the community? Because, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you and there are not a lot of people of color that were playing when I started. And now they're all kind of old people playing and some of them aren't as keen on the changes. Um, do you see that something that's shifting or that's just kind of reflective of what is going on in the world today or kind of what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's shifting. I think it's just that the other voices are more prevalent just because we have the pandemic where we were all online. And I mean, we were all online because there was nothing to do. And so those voices are actually being heard. Um, mm-hmm. I I see that there is more acceptance of it than there isn't. Um, I just, the ones that are not wanting to change, not wanting to just actively try to tell diverse stories and sometimes even telling harmful stories are just the louder minority of this. Just because mm-hmm. they've been um, doing this longer and so their voices are louder compared to like three, four, five times the audience that are pushing for this. They're just, you know, not being heard as much, but they're still being heard. Yeah. Good. So what advice do you have for folks who are interested in getting into podcasting for tabletop RPGs, especially um, people of color and queer folks? Um, honestly, what I, what I feel for, if you want to start like a podcast, I would say, you could do like outward casting calls. That's, that's a very common thing. I would just say try to find people that you're comfortable with, that you know that would want to do this. Um, never underestimate the work that goes into this. That's one thing I should say. It's not <laughs> – you could just record and hit send, but that's going to still be a lot of work for what you're doing, organizing stuff, putting stuff together. So – Get a group that you're comfortable with because comfort at a table for tabletop games means that you're just going to have a better show. It's just going to be a better thing. Uh, also, like when you're starting this, consider specifically why you want to tell the story, why you want to release this into a podcast and not just like have fun with friends. Because if you like, you come together and realize, oh, I just want to tell a story. Maybe just like do a home game. Home games are perfectly fun. They are fantastic. Some of my best like RPG memories are just in a home game with my friends. Uh, and also set expectations within your group. Uh, just like, hey, um, make sure like safety tools, like lines and veils, just like government, like, hey, this is like the story that I'm looking to tell. Um, this is the tone. Um, if that's not great for you, maybe it wouldn't be great for the show. And if you just air all that out and set all these things ahead of time, you won't have like mid season, like, um, like concerns with each other are just like, Oh, sorry, we can't record. One person just doesn't want to do this or et cetera, et cetera. It's you're, doing this all together with a group you're basically doing like a really intense group project um and your grading is i think it's not graded i guess if you really want to look into the ratings um you could do that sometimes i was like 
don't always look at the ratings. Don't always look at what people say online. If you if you are happy with the story that you're telling, I think that's more important than anything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, what's next for Dusty? Um, what's this cool John Wick kind of thing you're working on? Can uh, you talk about that. Yeah. So, um, I've been working on the game. It's been in the process for like maybe four or five months. Um, I think basically since I've seen John Wick four. Because uh, I, I have like a small like couple games on itch right now is where I publish all my stuff. Um, and I really wanted to do a game that is set like in a similar vein to John Wick because all the houses and how the whole like world of assassins is set up is so fascinating to me. Um, so I kind of went into that and kind of you it's so heavily John Wick inspired but it's like its own thing. It's um, there's different, it's, it's, they're called, it's called built by the architects uh, and Mm -hmm. architects Mm -hmm. are what those assassins are called. And they're Mm -hmm. part of like this whole bigger thing. The architects have people above them called pillars. The pillars are all part of like a pantheon, um, which is what like they're called. Um, And I wanted to mimic the intense, like, action and stress of fights in john wick in gameplay so it's actually all going to be uh card based like uh, you're using a deck of cards for everything um and the way you play is similar to a tcg where if you get into actions you have these cards you play them um and it's supposed to be like quick pace back and forth back and forth in between you just narratively playing your character Mm -hmm. Uh, it's uh, I'm super excited and proud of it. Like I have, it's basically, it's, it's written. I just need to format it, which is like a whole other thing. Uh, yes. Yes. But <laughs> that, that should be out soon. My plan is to have it out before big bad con basically, which is end of September. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Dusty, it's been uh, great getting a chance to meet you. Um, it's been very informative for me. It, it's always a pleasure to, talk to somebody who's doing actual plays and see kind of what I can learn from them and what's going on. So thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Again, thank you so much for having me. This has been great.